This is Millennially Speaking, a podcast about politics, pop culture, and everything in between. I'm David Latimer. This week, we're talking about Walmart's new gun policy, my problem with dads of daughters, and why intent is meaningless when it comes to racism. But first, what I'd like to talk about is Walmart and their new gun policy. So if you remember, Walmart was just recently involved in another one of these mass shootings in the country. It was the El Paso shooting. We talked about it a few weeks ago where dozens of people were killed in a Walmart store in El Paso, Texas. And it's now sparked a debate as to what is the responsibility of not only government, which we've been talking about for a long time, but what might the responsibility of retailers be to help prevent gun tragedies and to keep customers safe. So in a very surprising and almost unprecedented move, Walmart announced this past week some major changes to their gun selling as well as their open carry policies in their stores. So some of the things that they announced that they would be doing is that they plan to end the sale of certain types of ammunition, which a lot of people have been asking for regulation on that coming from the government, but for America's largest retailer to be doing that, to be removing certain ammunition. And this this is ammunition for handguns. So handgun ammunition will no longer be sold at Walmart. And I think that's an interesting move because one of the things that a lot of people talk about on the right when it comes to the gun control debate is that statistically it's true that most gun violence in America is from handguns. So it's not even the the big scary mass shootings that we always talk about involving things like the AR-15 where a lot of gun violence really is from these they look less scary and they they cause less mass carnage but in much greater numbers it is the main contributor to gun violence in this country. So they they said they're going to stop uh selling that ammunition. They're actually going to end the really exit that category altogether. So they're not going to sell handguns in Alaska. That's really the only state, it looks like, that they've been continuing to sell handguns. Uh, But they will no longer be selling handguns anywhere in the country. They've also decided that they're going to stop selling ammunition for things like the uh, 223 caliber and the 556 caliber. Again, I am not really a gun enthusiast. I'm not someone who's real big on guns in general. I've shot guns before, so... I can appreciate and understand how to use them, but this is not sort of my hobby. But from what I understand and from a lot of the things that I've been reading, uh, these kinds of ammunition are often used and most of the time used in hunting rifles, but they can also be used in large capacity clips for things like your AR-15s and things where you have much larger magazines and a lot more basically just a lot more bullets. You have a lot more ammunition in one particular clip. So that's that's the main thing that they're going to be doing in terms of sales. And then another big thing that they're doing is they are asking everyone in all of their stores nationwide to stop open carrying. So that that I think is the most interesting thing of all because companies have been changing their what they sell, their ammunition policies there. I know uh, a few months ago, actually I think it was last year when the Parkland shooting happened, Dick's Sporting Goods changed their policies, including they raised the age to purchase firearms to 21, which is 
not something that is a legislative act. That's just a, a store deciding that. Um, so, so stores have been changing policies for a while, but this is one that is new and surprising that you're, you're getting companies like Walmart asking people to not open carry. And I don't know, personally, I don't know how I feel about this. So when you have a place where it's open carry, I think some people feel a sense of safety because they know that there's always going to be, you know, somebody that should something happen, you know, or, or you're you're less likely to have something happen. But if something does happen, that there are, you know, the quote unquote good guys with a gun. So I get it from that perspective. But also, at least me personally, I don't feel any safer when regular citizens have more guns. And and I'm not saying that that is the right response or the wrong response or whether I have a, an opinion that matches more or less of the country. I don't know. I just feel like it makes you feel like the threat is higher when when you have more people open carrying, that your threat of violence and your potential threat of gun violence around you is somehow greater than if people weren't just open carrying. All I can tell you is myself... When more civilians have guns, that doesn't that doesn't make me feel necessarily any safer because I don't know the training that this person has or their experience with firearms, how long they've had their firearms, um, how often they get to shoot, what the purpose for them having the, the gun is. Again, I don't know whether that's a rational feeling or not, but that is my feeling. I feel safer when I enter a place that has paid security that can also have firearms. I know others may not feel safer if that's the situation, but for me personally, when there are uh, law enforcement officers or something, at, and, and I'm not even asking for a big, you know, military style protection, all I'm okay with is you've got, you know, a security guard hanging out in the store, maybe somebody just hanging around near the front for, it's it's partially for real security, and in other ways it's security theater, it's another sort of, it just makes you feel safer knowing that there is somebody there who could step in if they're needed. Um, and, and that's a lot of what these kinds of things are, it's security theater, because even though we like to think that these kinds of shootings and things like that are so commonplace. Like we hear about them on the news so often, they're still incredibly rare. Like you're not having a mass shooting in every store every day in America. You're still having isolated cases. So when you put a security guard out front, it sort of gives peace of mind to some people. And that's what I would say for myself. But as for, like I said, the rest of the the people in the store having it it doesn't necessarily make me feel any better and that's and and other retailers are starting to follow in Walmart's path places like Kroger and Walgreens have both announced that they will be asking customers to not open carry in their stores and they have every right to do that they're a private business they can ask their customers to do anything it has it's not violating any laws it's not violating the second amendment they're not saying you're not allowed to own guns they're just a private company that's saying we prefer that you don't bring these guns into our stores. That's just our policy. And you can understand why certain small businesses might have their own firearm protection. I believe it was last week or the week before there was a story where 
uh, I think it was here in Phil in the Philadelphia area where somebody walked into a cell phone store and they, you know, pulled out a gun and they were going to rob the store. And when the, the would be robber turned around, the shop owner pulled out a gun, shot him and he fell and the guy ended up dying. And, you know, in that situation, you have somebody who was defending their store and defending their place and, and apparently he will not receive any charges. So, I mean, in that situation, I think that's good because he was, there was a real and actual threat and he didn't want to be taken down from that. So I understand, I understand completely the argument of wanting potentially just average people having firearms. I totally 100% get it. But, and like I said, maybe that's just me, but I don't feel like as a civilian, I want other civilians necessarily, just tons of them having them. Shop owner? Absolutely. That's your right. That's your protection. And just like how everyone has the right to have these weapons and carry them around, and even in places like Walmart to carry them around open carry, just because you have the right doesn't mean you necessarily should. Next one I'd like to talk about is sort of a rant. And as a man, as someone who would court a female who has a dad, who happens to be the dad of a daughter, I have a gripe to pick with dads that have daughters. And I think my big thing is the the joke or the, the meme that you see that gets shared around certain variations of it, but it's one that's like, you know, for a dad with a daughter and it's a shirt or something where it's like talking about a boy and, you know, if you hurt my daughter, I'll shoot you or some kind of a joke revolving around wanting to hurt a boy that would not cause harm to his daughter, but just, you know, the existence of a boy. So I have lots of feelings on this. First of all, I think that particular joke and meme is not funny. Um, I don't know if if it's meant to be a joke. I don't think it's that funny of a joke. And I think it's a very cliche and old and tired joke. So I don't think it's fun to make anymore. And if it's serious, why? Why is that? I don't understand why anyone that makes a threat like that. Obviously, not a you're not making a real threat. I understand that it's a shirt. It's a meme, whatever it is. But the idea that you would threaten harm to someone like physical harm to someone not because they've done anything like to harm your daughter but just because they're a boy and you feel like you need to make a threat i feel like that's i i absolutely as a man i feel for anyone that has to go through that because yeah you want that you know understanding between the, the dad and the boyfriend or, or whatever it is that, you know, you need to treat my daughter right, you need to respect her, and I expect you to do this, or you no longer have my blessing to date my daughter. I understand the, the wanting to have that sort of understanding, but that cliche threat I just think is so stupid. And I feel like shouldn't we be, you know, shouldn't dads of daughters be encouraging their daughters to 
be able to stand up for themselves and be strong, independent women that don't have to constantly be worrying about, you know, my I, my dad has to take care of this for me. And if he does anything, my dad will come get him. And I, I don't like that. I think that's super corny. I think it's super cheesy. And besides, there's already a ton of expectations that are put on men and boys in how they're supposed to behave and the the behavior they're supposed to have around the dads of daughters. Again, I understand the respect thing. I understand wanting to put on a good appearance and to be the best version of yourself that you can be, especially when you're trying to impress somebody like that, because their opinion does matter. And I absolutely get that. But we're all human beings. You know, we, we all have our flaws. We all have things about us. I think the the handshake thing that we use and not just in this situation, but like with, you know, in business when somebody has a firm handshake or if they have a clammy handshake or a weak handshake that it somehow means something like, yeah, a firm handshake is good. Yeah. uh, It it shows sort of confidence and um, assuredness about yourself and about your situation. But I feel like we discount people so quickly for something so trivial. And I think that's one of those things that is also tied to dads with daughters that it's got to be this firm handshake every time. And it's got to be this, you know, I just, it's little things like that and, and little societal things like that and societal expectations. And be like I said, men already have these expectations that have been put on them to make all the moves and to do all of the things and, and, you know, propose and to make all the plans and to, and, and it's like, why, why, why do we have to sort of do everything? And I, again, I can understand why men are sort of expected or asked to do certain things because for some, they like men to take charge and they think it's, you know, just a sign of strength and a sign of, um, again, of confidence and assuredness of wanting to just be in charge. But again, we're not living in the 1800s. Women have a say. Women are able to contribute to the relationship and women should contribute to the relationship. It's an equal partnership. It's not men just doing all the things and making all the decisions. So to to have all those expectations put on you is very, I, I would say, overwhelming. And I think dads with daughters need to give guys a break sometimes because let's face it, you were those boys at one point. So just keep in mind, what are some of the things? And and for those dads with daughters, I'm sure it was even more uh, stressful back in the day, more because there were more societal expectations of men and different societal expectations of women. So just keep that in mind. Understand where people are coming from. Understand people that have different personalities who... Maybe, maybe it's a guy that's not as outspoken. Maybe it's a guy that is not as, you know, assured of himself. You know, a firm handshake is good, but just because it's not the firmest handshake doesn't necessarily mean anything. Just maybe change your mindset a little bit. And lastly, what I wanted to talk about is racism. Now, who better to talk about this than me, a white man? I know. But... The thing that I wanted to talk about is something that I think is important because as a person who is white, 
I have learned things over the years that are vitally important to working with, interacting with, and, you know, just being around people of color. And it's important that white people think about these things because, I mean, without even getting into the the idea of white privilege, just the idea that I don't have to think about certain things like this is inherently white privilege. You know, not having to worry about my skin color, not having to think about what some other person might think of me in general, that is a privilege. So you need to challenge your own views and challenge the things that you do to combat that because it's something that I don't generally have to think about. So what I wanted to bring up with this is how racism doesn't matter when it comes to intention. And that's something that we get tripped up on a lot. A lot of people, when something is called out for being racist and whoever the offender is says, well, I didn't intend for it to be racist or it wasn't meant to be a racist comment. It wasn't about black people. It was about whatever, however they want to justify it. But that's exactly the problem is that racism and really any kind of discrimination or hateful speech or comments like that, it doesn't matter what the intent was because it's all about the perception, how what you said was perceived by the person who was offended. And I don't, I understand the idea of people sometimes getting too sensitive about things or maybe we overthink things sometimes, but when when certain people will try to defend themselves against, you know, somebody says, oh, well, that's racist, you know, they say, well, that's just somebody else's opinion. Oh, the, the thing that I said isn't racist, that's just your opinion. Well, yeah, because racism inherently, certain things that get said because racism is such a cultural thing is kind of an opinion, but it is a fact that someone holds that opinion and you can't change that. So... The fact that somebody was genuinely offended matters. And I'm not talking about the devil's advocate racism stuff that people try to, like like a person who wasn't actually offended just wants to point out that something that was said or something that, you know, exists could be racist or this group of people, like I can't believe that we did this in the past or we say this or whatever, that this group of people could be offended by it. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, you know, in your normal everyday life, not the people you see on TV, the commentators on CNN and things like that, the real people you see in your life that you come across an interaction and you said or did something racist and you get called out for it. As white people or as anyone who gets called out for racism, you need to just listen and not immediately go on the defense. Sure, sometimes things get thrown out and accusations get thrown out that are baseless, but most cases and most of the time, if somebody calls you out for that, they are coming from a genuine place because nobody, especially somebody like a person of color who is going to call out racism when they're in a group of white people, they don't want to necessarily be calling that out because I think they would understand the possible implications of that, that the white people are going to feel some type of way about it. They're going to feel like offended that you even said anything. And that's understandable because we do such a terrible job in this country of talking about race and talking about racial issues that it's uncomfortable for everyone to talk about. You know, 
anytime we bring up things like reparations or civil rights or anything that is dealing with race, we do such a terrible job at it because we immediately talk about how, well, I'm not responsible for what my ancestors did, so then it doesn't need to be talked about. Well, that's exactly why it needs to be talked about, because while you may not have had anything to do with it, you are reaping the benefits of something that was started by your ancestors or somebody else previously before you, so you need to think about it. And not that we need to turn society upside down and, you know, take all the things away from white people and give them all to the black people. That's not at all what anyone is suggesting. But just think about things before maybe you say them or before you try to defend something that you said that might actually be racist. Because we had an example of this this past week. There was a news anchor who on one of their newscasts, it's a white female and a black male co-anchor. They were doing a tease for a story, and it was about zoo animals or or something like that, and an image of a gorilla was up, and the white co-anchor said to the black co-anchor that the the gorilla reminded her of him, the the black co-anchor. And in the moment, uh, a professional, he sort of brushed it off. He didn't make the comment about himself in the moment, but... She got a lot of flack online, and the next day she had to come on and apologize for it. And I I think rightfully so, because we all know that there is a long racial tension, and, and the use of monkeys and gorillas with black people is a thing that exists. And we all know that that is a stereotype and a uh, racial thing that exists. So, yeah, that was really dumb of her to say. She shouldn't be crucified for it. I think an apology and... Uh, you know, a statement saying that she understands that it was racist and why it was racist and that, you know, she'll she'll think more later on. I think that was sufficient in my eyes. But yeah, we need to come to a reckoning of this that just because you didn't intend for something to be racist doesn't mean it isn't. I know when she said that, I, I really do know because she, she said she has a lot of love for her co-anchor and I believe that. She seemed very sincere that she wasn't intending to be racist on live television. Who would? She just was making a comment that she didn't think about. Had her co-anchor been white, I'm sure it would have just blown over. Nothing would have come about it. But because it was a black co-anchor, that particular phrasing has different meaning and different context. Whether she was trying to be racist or not, it ended up being that way. So... Just think about the things that you say and the things that you try to defend as not racist when really just saying, you know what, my bad, sorry, and moving on and and learning and growing because that's what we really should be doing as people, not doing the PC culture and trying to censor all of the words that we say, but just taking it to a human level and thinking, you know what, this person that's in my life that happens to be a different race from me, I don't want to hurt that person. If they really dislike the thing that I've said and they're, you know, going to stick their neck out and actually point it out to me, you know what? I don't really want to hurt them again. So I am going to apologize and I'll think about it the next time that that comes into my head. And that's all for this edition of Millennially Speaking. I'm David Latimer. Be sure to rate us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And if you like this podcast, share us with your friends. We're also on Instagram at millennially underscore speaking. Thanks for listening.